Welcome to the Your Mom Has a Blog podcast. I'm Chad Edgington. And I'm Melissa Edgington. Man, back in the saddle again. <laughs> you know, it's been 13 glorious days of podcast free lifing. It has been. But you know what? All good things must come to an end. And your hiatus from us is now over. <laughs> I said, man, you know, uh, it's been it's been 13 days um, since our listeners have heard from us. And Melissa, what did you say? You're not sure you wanted to hear from us again? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> here we are. We are back. We're back. Yeah, you know, after you've podcasted for 30, was it 31 days? Yeah. 31 straight days, you feel like you can take 13 off. But now we're back. We're going to try to get back into the swing of things. And um, continue our podcasting. So we're we're uh, fresh off of the Southern Baptist Convention. So we want to give a brief, yeah, fairly brief. We don't we won't do a two parter like we did for the T four G. A brief podcast, uh, if we can, to describe for you, which probably most people in our audience are Southern Baptist. Born and bred. If you aren't Southern Baptist, this might not be of that much interest to you. But but... there's 31 that we just did that you might like better. So just go back, (laughs) skip this episode. (laughs) Building up to our, this is kind of like a build up to our 100th podcast. Yeah. So we're going to have to podcast a lot more uh, to get to 100. And tell them what happens. I need to adjust something here in our studio. Okay. I need to get... So that means Melissa has to move her legs so I can reach down into a, what is this thing, a drawer? A it's a cabinet. cabinet where we keep our soundboard. <laughs> I wonder what people think our podcasting setup looks like. I wonder if they think it looks like a, like in their mind, I wonder if it looks like a recording studio. I don't know because I follow um, another couple that podcasts. Mm-hmm. I don't follow them religiously, but I do listen to them occasionally. You know, I only follow Jesus religiously. And, you know, I always picture them sitting at their kitchen table. Where where do they sit? I don't know, but that's just where In I picture mind? them. Yeah, they're sitting at like a sort of 50s-style table <laughs> in their kitchen. You even have the type of table figured out? Yeah. That's amazing. And their kitchen is really clean in my brain. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, ours is really clean right now, isn't it? It's... Semi-clean. Semi-clean. And another thing, we're, we're working with new new uh, cans, as I call them. How do you like your new cans? Is that what you call headphones? Yeah, headphones are cans. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so our studio is more like a, um, a home office. Chad has some phrases that he has used through the years that really get on my nerves. Let me try to guess what they are. I've never heard cans before, but that one's going to be added to my list. <laughs> So one of them is that I know you don't like is um, when I say when I use the word tune in a sentence. Is that right? Right. Instead of the word song. Yeah. So if I was going to tune my guitar, it wouldn't bother her. But when I say, "Let's do that tune again," why do you hate that? I don't know. Let's let's do the tune. Get the tune up. Let's do the tune. Let's let's sing some tunes. Sing some (laughs) tunes. It's a fun word to say. Do you, do you know what the other ones are? 
Uh, let's see. What else would be annoying to you? <laughs> what what else do I say? So, oh, oh, get on the horn? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes when I say about the getting on the phone, I say, let me get on the horn. Yeah. And I guess you hate that. I don't like that one either. I don't know why they get on my nerves. And then the other one is whenever you're talking about somebody playing the drums. And they're beating the bear's butt. (laughs) (laughs) At least I don't say that in church. Back here on this praise song, beating the bear's butt. (laughs) I didn't say that. Where did that even come from? I don't know. I, 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 I think... I think my cousin taught that to me when he was doing like a Blues Brothers imitation at Howard Bain. And he talked about their drummer beating the bear's butt. And I just always have said that. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Were drums made out of bear skins at some time? I I don't know. Maybe. Anyway. So what were we going to talk about? Our home studio. Our home studio. It's just like an office. It's like a desk. And we just both sit at the desk and sort of look at each other with our heads turned. Yeah. And then we have a computer screen where we watch like a whole minute or 10 or 15 go by without ever saying anything. Well, we talk about nothing. We talk about nothing. That's why every once in a while we say, okay, we need to talk about something we now. Need, yeah, like we were supposed to be talking about the Southern Baptist Convention. We're almost six minutes in and we haven't hardly mentioned it. Yeah. So, uh, your impressions of your, it was a, both of our, we were both Southern Baptist Convention virgins, so what was your experience of your, the Southern Baptist Convention? Okay, well, y'all know that I am a born and raised Southern Baptist, I mean, I was Southern Baptist before I could focus on things with my eyes. As you a little were su- baby. You were Southern Baptist when Southern Baptist wasn't cool. Yeah. Still isn't. No. Actually, the Southern Baptists have some pretty like, cool people now. Like, it did feel like there was a lot of non-cool there, but there was a lot of cool people there. Yeah. Like, and what was really cool was so many strollers and babies and kids running around, like... It was a family affair, and some of the old-timers that have been there a long time were like, uh, look at all these families, you know? Yeah. That was, well, we'll get into the Mike Pence thing, but that was one of the worst things about it was like, dudes, there's all these families here. This whole thing, like, like you never want to go to the airport with your family, and you're about to turn this thing into TSA. <laughs> That's true. It's terrible. <laughs> but anyway, so what were your impressions then? We know you were a l- lifelong cradle to grave southern baptist going to your first convention yeah which i've always wanted to go to a southern baptist convention and we have watched them online you know in years past and i've always wanted to be on the floor when motions are being made you know and all the discussion is going on and you know there were a few times when i felt like we were in british parliament or something you know like we could all like on c-span where we could all stand everybody up and yell. was reacting, yeah. you know, which nobody stood we up would and just, yelled. We would just turn around to our other messenger friends that were sitting by us, and we'd be like, "Oh my gosh, did he just really say that? Did you hear him say that?" It <laughs> or, was like it was like two. It was, so here's what it felt like to me: you're in, let's say you're in your church business meeting, 
and like everybody's two favorite deacons are arguing and everybody's like, oh my gosh, what's happening? <laughs> but I enjoyed, you know, like shaking my head in disgust, yeah. you know, at things that people were saying. Because yeah. <laughs> like there's two people that go to the mic at the Southern Baptist Convention. There's like really smart people and then your crazy uncle. <laughs> 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 like just like the people, and it seemed to me this is a really crude thing to say, but like the thicker the accent is, like you knew it was going to be trouble. What? No. I'm just saying it. It's true. You cannot. No, that's not true. That's not true. Okay, it's not true. Pretend like he didn't say that because listen to the accent of his wife right now. No. And a uh, messenger, <laughs> messenger no. from something. You're you're from, you are a Texan. You are not allowed to make fun okay, of accents. Okay, just saying. Oh, and I found out what Nathan Leno's accent is. What for deep Southern Baptist? He's South African. It was a real accent. Uh. Yeah, it's really cool. All right. So, what did you think? You love to be on the floor. What else? What were your other impressions? Well, I thought honestly, I was very encouraged there because. Even though there's been a lot of controversy swirling in the weeks leading up to it. With the firing of Paige Patterson Mm -hmm. and, you know, issues with women, you know, and all of these things. I really felt like that for the most part, those of us who were at the convention were pretty unified in our voting. Yeah. In our thinking, there were no votes that were really close. You know, everything was kind of a landslide on the major Mm -hmm. things that we voted for. And I just felt like there was kind of a positive spirit there, despite all of the trouble that has been going on. And so that was encouraging to me. Yeah, I, I think I think Jesus was Lord. Yeah. Uh, at the meeting, I think there. Anytime you get that many people and that many opinions going, there's going to be some dumb things and some silly things said. And you know, there was some definite things I felt didn't honor the Lord, but I, but for the most part. I thought that the message that the leaders were trying to convey was on point. I thought the worship was incredible. We went to the pastor's conference uh, Sunday and Monday, and it was it was great. I was able to take Adelaide really wanted to go to a conference, so I took her to the free one. <laughs> Good move. Yeah, so she showed up, and she absolutely loved the Southern Baptist Convention. Now she wants to go to the Baptist General Convention of Texas Convention. I can't tell if she wants to go to go to the meetings or just to go back to the exhibit hall and get all the free pins. <laughs> I think she loved everything about it. She I loved mean, it all. She, She's a real Baptist girl. It was crazy how into it she was. Yeah, so the best thing from Sunday night was we were walking around the exhibit hall after the preaching had ended, just kind of, or, or actually just walking around the convention center trying to find a meeting that wasn't going to take place till the next night, so we didn't find it. But as we were walking around... Uh, we walked past a group of people talking, and she was like, <gasps> and I was like, what? And she's like, there's David Platt. There's David Platt right there. And Adelaide loves David Platt. She's watched two secret churches when she was sick, when she had the flu. Yeah. She watched two secret church simul- uh, simulcast replays, and then she did the whole secret church 2018 simulcast. She mm-hmm. stayed up like six and a half hours to one twelve thirty at night, and she just really, David Platt's just one of her favorite teachers, you know, next to her dad. He's uh, really a, been a big part of her discipleship, mm-hmm. you know, which is really cool. And so I wasn't going to introduce her, and I, I was like, come on, let's go. You don't just don't bother him. But then he was only standing there with two or three people. I thought, you know what? This is probably her chance. So I said, come on, let's see if we can get a picture. 
and he was so cool. Yeah. I mean, just a gracious guy and talked to her about school and where are you guys from? And I told him, you know, we're out here in Alney, kind of near Wichita Falls, do you know Texas? He said, not at all. I said, uh, we live way out where there's cows and wheat fields and windmills and oil wells. We feed everybody and provide the energy. And he went, thank you for doing that. <laughs> and I was like, why? And I preach to those people that get the foil out of the ground and grow the food. Yeah. You know, that we all eat. I said, I, actually, I said, we're in Dallas. I said, we feed all these people. <laughs> Yeah. They really depend on us. Uh, they don't know it, but they do. And uh, he was really cool. Got a picture. And uh, came back Monday, Monday morning. And we started. That's when it all started, the Mike Pence saga. So if you guys have seen the news, uh, Mike Pence invited or requested to come and speak and address and quote unquote share his heart with the Southern Baptist Convention. <laughs> what did you think when you heard Mike Pence was coming? Were you were your initial thoughts kind of like neutral? No, not neutral. I mean, I just felt like I just thought this isn't the place for a politician to come and and politic. Yeah, and especially I think especially in light of what's been going on with the whole Paige Patterson drama. And now that everyone, you know, is realizing, okay, we've got an issue here in the church with women, you know, in the Southern Baptist Convention. Right. It was played out very clearly on the platform at the convention, which we can talk about a little bit later. But, um, you know, I just don't see the wisdom in inviting the vice president of a major misogynist who is donald trump which Crotch grabber i'm sorry y'all crotch grabber I, in I, chief. i'm i'm just saying we all can agree that donald trump has said horrible <laughs> things about women in the past yeah well let's just say at our in the southern baptist convention we just fired a godly man who has never personally uh, assaulted or you know intentionally as far as we know, hurt a woman. Like, I mean, he's loved his wife. He's a, uh, I love Paige Patterson. This has been heartbreaking for all of us. And we let him go for mishandling the reporting of a sexual assault. Yeah. Okay. So that's where we are in this convention. We're having a major discussion about keeping women safe and how to treat women and the value of women and elevating that. We didn't, and Donald Trump is not, that's, we understand Donald Trump may be a, a lot of good things and may do a lot of good things, but on his, uh, um, the, his treatment of women and his morality is terrible. And the fear was that Mike Pence would come in as a representative of Trump who has said hurtful things about women. And that would send a weird message when we're trying to take this very seriously to invite you know, someone to come in and stump for him. To me, it looks like a a power play or something. You know, it just... It's, I have no idea what it was. To me, it's not in keeping with the spirit of what we're trying to do at the convention. Or what was going on from Sunday to Wednesday, the rest of it. That that was like... It was out of place. It was like... That's why I said we were playing in the key of G and someone threw a B flat in there. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So, uh, let me say this, though. Uh... Hey, but hey, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, we love Mike Pence. I will say I voted for Donald Trump. I'm a conservative. Uh, I appreciate many things. I mean, I appreciate what they're doing. I don't think you should separate 
parents and their children at the border. I think there's got to be another way to deter legal immigration. But for what Trump's doing in 500 days and the North Korea and all, I mean, that's great. Like, that is awesome. I'm so glad Mike Pence is a Christian, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. And has a witness in the White House and thankful for preachers that are speaking truth and reportedly discipling um, people in the White House and preaching to Donald Trump. That's incredible, too. It's just like you said, though. The speech was out of place. It was just not going to, it wasn't going to, there was a way he could have done it right, and he didn't do it. Like there was, if they had told him, okay, here's the situation, brother in Christ, you know, if that's how they'd approached it. There were um, many attempts made, as many as there were time for. Every time there was there an were open attempts mic. made to keep that speech from happening because people were very opposed to him coming into the convention. And I know how that sounds to some that may be listening like, well, what's wrong with y'all? Are y'all not patriotic? Are y'all liberals or Democrats or this or that? And I guess I would say the the thing that we were trying to keep from happening was not a Republican coming in or a Democrat coming in. What we were trying to, I think the sentiment of most of the younger people in the room and many of the older people in the room was, let's just not have politics here. You know, we we would not have this speech in our pulpit. Let's not have it here either. Yeah. You know. Because um, what he ended up doing was coming in and, and pitch a commercial for the administration. Yeah, but he was campaigning. That's what it he was. Can't, see, he had a chance to come in and he could have said, hey, guys, I know I'm the vice president of the United States. And... Uh, but I'm here today as your brother in Christ. If you've got your Bibles with you, if you'll open up to... And then he could have preached a message about the role of government and the role of godly men like Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he could have, he could have preached a sermon. He could have related to us. In the, and, 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 and basically, he could have won that whole argument. Yeah. Garrett Kell stood up and said, here's the reasons we don't need to have men. It's going to send a mixed signal. It could be p- potentially damaging to missionaries that we have that are in foreign places that are that are opposed to the Trump administration. That, uh, it could be confusing to people that would think that we're endorsing a particular candidate and a particular point of view politically. And everything Garrett Kell said, Mike Pence came in and showed Garrett Kell was right. Mm-hmm. This is why we didn't need him Yeah, to, to come into that place in that setting. I would love to hear Mike Pence in another setting. It was yeah. a, he said a lot of great things. And a lot of the things he said would have been appropriate if those had been the only things he said about Sutherland Springs and the role of faith and praising Southern Baptists for their work in disaster relief. If he had just preached for the 15 minutes they'd allotted him, that would have been great. But he went on and on and on, and he was using it, he was using that platform for his own purposes Mm -hmm. when we had set that place aside for the purpose of reaching the nations for Jesus Christ, Mm -hmm. reaching our homes and reaching our communities and our states and our nation and the nations for Christ. It was just the wrong note at the wrong time. And it would have been a right note in another setting. Uh, And, and, but you know, just all the way people are cheering and whooping it up. And I, you know, I'll say one of the strange things was at the beginning we did a procedural vote to try to say instead of Pence coming, why don't we spend that 15 minutes praying? And Mike Pence would certainly be invited to be there yeah. while we prayed for him. But uh, And then someone said, well, how about we ask Mike Pence to speak on, you know, something about women or, you know, I don't know what the, I don't remember what the request was. But, you know, we voted for that for that amendment. Like, let's not do this especially because we didn't want to have to get up two hours earlier to be down there 
to get through security. To get through security, they were having us. The thing starts at eight, and they we, they wanted us there by six. And if you weren't in there by ten, they weren't going to let you in for the morning. So it was a total logistical nightmare, which didn't wind up being that bad because I think a lot of people didn't show up. Yeah, it wasn't as big a crowd as they'd expected because it was going to be just be too much of a hassle at that convention center that early in the morning with all these people with families. It was just so boneheaded. And but I but yet I understand. If I had been one of the leaders in the Southern Baptist Convention, what do you do if Mike? What do you do if the president, the vice president of the United States, calls you and you're the committee on order of business at the Southern Baptist Convention, and he says, "I want to come speak at your convention." What do you tell the vice president? Uh, well, I think what they should have said was, "Let me just speak to you as a brother in Christ and tell you about what's been going on in our convention and explain why this is not the year, this is not the time for you to come in." Or if you want to come. Um, can can we tell you what how you probably need to do this? I mean, that would be the only way I could see if you just said, "Man, um, we really we just don't need any political speech." If you want to come and preach, if you want to come and share your personal conversion testimony, if you want to come and talk about Southern Baptist causes. <laughs> I mean, there could be a, there was a way if I was Mike Pence, I think if I, if he had been properly informed about the, the way our convention is moving, Mm -hmm. it's not moving anti-Republican or anti-Democrat. It's moving anti, um, anti, uh, how would we say this? Political agendas. Yeah. That it's saying, so, so here's basically the way to think about it. Can I teach for a minute? Is that okay? Okay. The way to think about this is if. Oh, if, I said yes. I nodded. You can't really yeah, do that she, on a she podcast. Did, she did not. <laughs> okay, so if I've got if I've got a room with twelve thousand people in it from a, as diverse a convention as the Southern Baptist Convention that's moving towards more diversity, and I'm I'm agreeing with ninety five percent of the things everybody in the room agrees on. Mm-hmm. Why would we go to something within that five percent <laughs> and make that an issue for our two day convention? Yeah. So we agree on all these things. And yet, when they put Pence on the schedule, immediately, first thing, right off the bat, a split in the convention. Now, what, what, what is this? This Republican-Democrat, this political, you know, politics in the church, no politics in the church. Is this a matter? It's a matter of conscience. There's no Bible verse that says you can't have Mike Pence. And there's Bible verses that say give honor to whom honors do. Like, there, you know, you could make a biblical case— of preference to say we want to honor him and have him come. But some people felt that because of the circumstance, because of this particular administration, their treatment of women and so on and so on, however you feel, whether you feel it's justified or not, it's, it's a perception that's out there. So if you know that's going to cause division, then why would you intentionally bring division to a, a convention, a meeting where where unity is really important mm-hmm. on the things that we agree on. Why would you focus on the things that we don't? Right. Because then it made then you took a matter of conscience and you put that matter of conscience to a point where it was straining people's consciences, where where some were forced to say, "I don't." I it's my preference and my conscience is saying I don't think so, and someone says my conscience and my preference says so, right. and then you have a disagreement. Mm-hmm. It was that that was. Uh, that was a real problem. So in your, in your churches, on there, there's issues like this. And Romans 14 instructs us, when it comes to matters like these of the conscience, be silent. There's no neutral people. 
But there are things, there, there are matters of conscience that we'd say, well, they're not neutral, but you're going to have reasonable Christians in the same church, in the same convention, so on. They're going to disagree. Mm-hmm. Let's say about alcohol. Let's say about tobacco use. I mean, there's things that people are going to disagree on. Yeah. Voting Republican and Democrat. Someone says, I don't see how anybody could vote for a Democrat, you know, and, and call themselves a Christian. And someone might say the same thing. I don't see how anybody could vote for a Republican and call themselves a Christian. Yeah. Like you could say either way. So well, I don't, how can you vote for a Democrat if you're pro-life? Well, I'm, someone could say, well, you know, I'm pro-life and I've voted for pro-life candidates in the past. And those pro-life candidates have done nothing on the issue. I'm looking at these more liberal politicians, and even though they're pro-choice, their policies are actually reducing the number of abortions. Jonathan Lehman kind of explained this to us at his Nine Marks talk. I'd never thought about that before. That what if, what if pra- practically speaking, and I'm not saying everything should be about practical or pragmatics, but practically speaking, here's someone who's saying, I'm seeing this actually reduce abortions, and that's more towards what I want to see happen. Yeah. So what do you have there? You have a disagreement over a matter of conscience and it's not good to divide over things. It's better to say, I understand that there can be issues like this. And so I'm going to respect your posture towards God and your posture towards me, understanding this is a matter of conscience. And we're going to focus on these things that we agree on the Lordship of Christ and so on and so on and so on. All the many, many things that we agree on. But what they did is they brought Pence in there and they were just like, Hey, this is the way it's going to be. Mm-hmm. That kind of put us in a weird position. I'm going to go with the majority, but I did feel like my conscience was, wasn't violated. I had my vote. But I thought, man, this is kind of a shame because this is so unnecessary. Yeah. And uh, as we've held up our ballots to vote for the amendment, a guy turns around to us and says, y'all must be from Capitol Hill Baptist. And I was thinking, well, I wish I was, but um, no, we're from Texas. And he said, well, then y'all need to go home. That's what we were told. Yeah. So I was at the Southern, so he was a guest from First Baptist Church of Dallas. And he turned around and told us to go home. And man, that was so hurtful. It really, I mean, it it bothered me. I guess I've never felt like I was in a place where I was absolutely had the right to be. And someone tell me, you know, indicate I didn't have a right to be there. That was weird. Yeah. But, you know, that's, that's a, that's okay. So, the guys were kind of upset by it, by what he said. And then you you hugged it out. And I said, "Well, I him. said, let me handle it." So I went up to him and I was like, "Hey, I'm sorry if I if our vote upset you. You know, I I was not intending to upset anybody with a vote. I was that was not. We weren't trying to do anything that would be hurtful." I said, I just don't think this is the right place. And I kind of explained my position. He said it would be unifying for the convention. Wrong. Um, He said the security won't be any big deal, which it really wasn't. He was right about that. But, you know, he said said this. He's going to come and talk to us as a Christian, not as the vice president. I wonder how he felt after the speech. Yeah. So I said, well, look. I said, but I said, you and me agree on everything else. Maybe we have just a small... Uh, section here of things that we don't agree on, but I love you and you're my brother in Christ. And I gave him a hug and he hugged me back and he said, I love you too. <laughs> and the guys were watching me and they were like, what did you say to him? <laughs> it's like, I told him I was sorry and I loved him, you know, Yeah. as far as it was possible, as far as it depended on, on me, if at all possible, Yeah. made peace with that brother. 
You know? Yeah. But I don't agree with him. And I told him I didn't agree with him. I said, but I love you anyway. Yeah. We can disagree on this. It's not a big deal. But they made it a big deal. Uh, so that was kind of an in- interesting thing. Another interesting thing was the women. You were going to talk about that. The, that played out on the platform. Yeah, so you, many of you have probably been reading some of the things that have been put out on blogs and things lately. I'm thinking especially of some of the things that Beth Moore has written recently about the church and about how she's been treated through the years as a female teacher in the church. And, you know, um, I think this is something that the Southern Baptist Convention is just waking up to, sort of. We're getting woke. Um, getting woke. We're getting woke on this, y'all. Uh, and really, it's I think it's one of those things that it's sort of like once your eyes have been opened to it, then you see it everywhere, everywhere. Yeah. and you realize it's really true. Hmm. Um, like the doctrines of grace. <laughs> up there on the um, on the platform, they had all these different committees and groups get up there who were representing the leadership of the Southern Baptist Convention and so many different capacities and so many different areas of ministry and in all of the groups that got up there was usually one woman mm-hmm. in groups of 10 or 15 or no women or in the case of one at least one group the executive committees young, young leaders, leaders all men This young leaders group that they put together sort of to talk through and study the the state of the church and the direction that we need to go in the future. And there were probably 12, 14 guys on it. Yeah, something around there. Yeah. So so just think about this. The Southern Baptist Convention is either made up of half women or or probably on any given Sunday, more than half are women attending. Right. And I am not, I've never been one really that has been advocating for, you know, women to have more say in the church or anything like that. But it really is. I mean, honestly, the older I get, the more I realize that if you really want to understand the church, if you want to understand people, and if you are really seeking to find out the best way to reach people, and even the best way to organize things or the best way to present yeah. something, you need a female you point do. of view, more than one yeah. in a room. <laughs> and I really think it's going to improve the quality and the effectiveness of a lot of our ministries when we bring more women to the table and leadership. Yeah. And you're not talking, you're a committed complementarian, aren't you? Absolutely. You don't think we need to give up complementarianism? Absolutely you know, that, not. That seemed like that seems like where it's where people are maybe trying to hint that it should go. Do you think do you think women should preach from the pulpit? I think I don't think women should be pastors. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the that is a pretty clear cut complementarian view. Yeah. That women should not be pastors. Should not have a, teaching an authoritative way over a man. But do I think that a woman should be able to stand in the pulpit and teach under the authority of her pastor? Yeah, I would say she yes, can. Yes, I do. Yeah. If it's under, I would say if it's understood that she's teaching this because the pastor thinks that's what the people need to hear. Right. I know that's still, and I don't want to, I know I, I, when you say things like that as a complementarian, it's like you get to a point and you're saying, well, as long as she realizes she's under my authority and you kind of feel jerky 
for saying that in 2018 in this culture. I think that's part of God's wisdom is to all, is to have us at that place where we're still not quite comfortable with his purposes, that we're having to submit to his lordship by doing something that we think is, it doesn't, to, to us, if we were going to make up these roles, we yeah. might not make them up this way. There are two things I want to make sure that I say on this podcast in relation to this topic. One is on the firing of Paige Patterson. It is heartbreaking for us because we care about Paige Patterson. And if you and, don't, that's not Christian. And Chad's a Southwestern graduate, and we've had some interactions with him. And But we do feel like that they made the right decision based on the information that we have been given. Or we, we feel like they made the right decision based upon information we haven't been given. Like we're trusting that they, if the, you're trusting that they made the right decision with information they had. And since we're not privy to it... Right, but we well, based upon what we do know, it seems like they did have uh, some issues there. Yeah, I, I think they had grounds to do what they did. But um, anyway, I just wanted to make that clear. Yeah. We're not defending anything that Paige Patterson said or did, and we don't know all the details either. Yeah, but, so we can't defend anybody. But we're trusting in the, the trustees' we trust, knowledge. Y'all, of, we're trusting the process, y'all. We yeah. are trusting the process of trustees. We are trusting yeah. the trustees. And the other thing that I wanted to say was that I went during the pastor's conference, the girls and I went over to a pastor's wives session, which was fantastic. And Beth Moore was one of the speakers in this session. And Beth Moore has taken a lot of heat for the things that she has said in recent days. And the things she said, I think, were probably hard for her to say and things that she's known for a long, long time that she's never voiced in a public wanna, She way. doesn't want to be hurtful or divisive. No. And um, her talk in that pastor's wife's session was about how blessed we are to have the church and how fabulous the church is and how we should appreciate it and how we should love it. Mm -hmm. And I really appreciated that she did that because she, I think now she is worried because she said at the, at that, at that conference that someone came up to her and asked her, why haven't you just walked away? Yeah. And and her answer was, how can I walk away from Jesus? You know, I mean, that's what walking away from the church is. And maybe they meant what, and, you know, why don't you walk away from these Southern Baptists? And like we've said before, uh, joking during our marathon podcasts or whatever, but it's like, this is our tribe. You know, it's okay. Like, to, like we're going to stick with our people. Yeah. And and I was just encouraged by the, I don't know, there are so many good people in the Southern Baptist Convention who have a right heart and who... If you're not Southern Baptist, you should be. It... it, it <laughs> The things that Southern Baptists accomplish, if you knew them, that it would blow your mind. Yeah, it's awesome. It's so good. So we have a great convention with a great, you know, a great history of getting better. So what I was going to say that I don't think I totally got the thought totally out, but mm-hmm. I think Beth Moore is concerned <clears throat> now because, you know, you can control what you write, but you can't control what people, people read, see when yeah. they read it. Yeah. And... I think she is hoping that she hasn't discouraged people from digging in and being a part of their church. And, mm-hmm. you know, she doesn't want to disparage the church in any way. And she's <clears throat> and a, at the she's same a complementarian, time, right? Yeah, absolutely. But at the same time, you know, the time was right 
in that moment for her to speak out about some things and yeah. and uh, I respect her for it. Yeah, and we'll we'll you know, I'm not changing my views on anything through this, but I do see things that maybe I haven't seen before and I'm you know, you don't have to change your mind on something to come a little become a little more sensitive to it. And there's it's and you know, it's really good to grow and to get better. Mm-hmm. It's it's bad to stagnate or get worse or go backward. And so I don't mind saying, yeah, you know, maybe the, my attitudes uh, six months ago, a year ago, three years ago, maybe they were terrible. Mm. Man, maybe I need to, and, and, God, and God's changing things. That's, it, wouldn't that be what revival and renewal and awakening, wouldn't that be what it looks like? You yeah. were asleep to something and now you woke? Yeah, and the other, the other big issue that is coming to light <clears throat> that is, I think is so encouraging is race, racial yeah, the race racial thing. issues in the church. And uh, I, you know, H.B. Charles was in charge of the pastor's conference. He brought his fantastic choir Man, they were good. from his church. They were amazing, and everyone loved it. I mean, it was just, it was a great, if you weren't there, you really missed something. And that was what was so, but <laughs> it, 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 that having been so great and having kind of made us sensitive to, you know, racial issues. And it, it made the Pence speech even more, like it stood out even more as like, oh, this is awful. Yeah. Because it was, you know, it was so tone deaf, as someone said. But, you know, because you, you know, to, to end that speech with we're going to make America great again after we just kind of had studied and become woke or what, I know it's, I'm, I'm joking using that term. <laughs> we had become aware and I'm not saying through man, I'm saying through the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. that, when I, that we have a certain viewpoint, but the way God loves people, um, you know, we, we need to love the way Christ loves. We need to love the way God and see people the way the Lord sees them. And, you know, something Mark Dever said in the Nine Marks at Nine on Monday night, he said, do I want to go here? Do I want to go here? He was kind of waffling on whether to say it, but he said, you know, um, like when someone says the phrase, a political slogan like, let's make America great again, what you're assuming is that everybody thinks it was great in the past. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people in this country that would look at the past and say, this really hasn't really ever been that great for us. Yeah. And you're discounting and you're not listening and you're not being sensitive to the fact that other people have had a different experience than you have. Yeah. A very Christian posture towards other people is to consider that not everybody is like you and not everybody's had the same experience of you and trying to understand them. Mm-hmm. And yet we've never really been aware of this. We've just thought, oh, everybody thinks like I do. And if they don't, they should. Um, that that you're not considering often how s- the experience that someone is having, like when it, when uh, when when an African American. Well, I'll give you a good good example. That I have I haven't I haven't uh, podcasted about this. See, I already still in the brand mindset that I've told all my stories. <laughs> but the other day we went to Six Flags for a few hours. Then y'all went shoe shopping. Mm-hmm. Uh, at, in Arlington, I said I got to go to haircut, man. I, we're having our 120th anniversary. I really need a haircut, and um, so I went to this barber shop. He means at the church, not our marriage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Feels <laughs> like it, but <laughs> so I, I just I, I plugged in Google nearest barber shop, showed up, walked in the door. I opened the door. And it was one of those moments like in a movie where the music's playing and then it's like the record scratches. And I open the door and I'm standing there and I'm walking into a black barbershop with all these black dudes. Like, you know, they're all staring at me like, what are you doing here? 
And so what do you do in that moment? You don't turn around and walk out. You sit down. You're like, can I get a haircut? He's like, you can wait in line. I'm getting everybody. We got one barber gone and we're waiting. Anyway, these two, these two barbers turned out to be Christians and they were a little, little, our theology was a little different, but man, their heart was great. And, uh, Everybody in there, they was rapping about Donald Trump. They was rapping about, I mean, it was a rap session on just about anything you can imagine. But most of it would always come back to the Lordship of Christ. It was awesome. And, uh, you know, I was, he gave me a great haircut too, right? You've like yeah, really praised it. Was it. A really good but haircut. he, he, you could tell he had not cut a white dude's hair in a, maybe since barber school. Because <laughs> he was, he cut it totally dry. I've never had a guy do like, Usually, you know, like they, they wet down white guys' hair, I guess, yeah. when they cut it. But they don't really do that for a black guy's hair. So he wasn't used to wetting down hair when he cut it. It worked out it well. It worked out, yeah. It was so, you know, it was just one of those situations where when you, you know, I've, I've mentioned it before, like when you walk into a golf course that you don't know or you walk into a black barber shop and you're the only white guy and there's like 15 black guys, it's a, you feel differently. Whenever you're sitting at the Southern Baptist Convention, someone tells you to go home. And you feel like you be, you feel like you don't belong there. It's weird, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but those are experiences that we're not used to having, and so we don't consider that other people might be having those. Yeah. Like that, the black culture, as we witnessed this week, their preaching style, their music style, it's so different. Mm-hmm. And if I had to go into a church and that was the style of worship every week, it's so different than what I know and I'm comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And I would have to be saying, I'm going to make all these compromises to worship with you because I love you and because I think I need to be a part of this family of faith. I'm giving up a lot for my relationships with you. Mm-hmm. Anytime a black person comes to a pre- predominantly white culture type church, they are doing that. Yeah. They're saying, you, you people here matter to me so much and what God's doing here matters to me so much that I'm leaving my culture behind to be a part of this. Mm-hmm. That would be really difficult. Yeah. And yet, we don't ever think about that. We think, oh, yeah, they're just, they're just having the same experience we are. They're not. They are almost in a different culture. Yeah. So we became sensitive to that in, in the preaching. You know, and what was one of the really awesome things was Robert Smith, his pastor, as uh, a professor and a pastor, a preacher. Um, he preaches in the whooping style at the end of his sermons which is sort of like a sing-song type of way of ending a sermon. And, of course, they had a, a B3 organ there. And, you know, he started going at the end. And I was a Peter, saw the face of Jesus. And he wept, which is to say he cried like a baby. <laughs> <laughs> so he starts getting into this, and the organ starts going, and the drums start going. And probably never been a sermon like that at Southern Baptist Convention. And Sawyer... He was, you know, they they draw during sermons and stuff, and he was like, w- "What is happening here?" Like it went from preaching to something he'd never heard in he his loved life. It. He loved it, and he wanted to get a picture with Robert Smith, and so he did. He got a picture with and, him, and he was so kind to Sawyer. He was really he like you could tell he was surprised that Sawyer wanted it. Like I don't know if he's used to having people walk up and want pictures. It was so sweet, and he had a bag of popcorn in his hand. And he handed it to Sawyer. He gave him his popcorn. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so Sawyer says, I'm never opening that because the preacher gave it to me. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't want to eat it. He wants to keep it like a museum piece. Yeah, so I, was glad, so I was glad that Sawyer got to experience that and see, you know, you know another aspect of how people worship. And that's, one, that's kind of a thing about even a mission trip. You, yeah. you see how different worship is all over the world. And, and, and you don't let those things divide you. And it's just really 
you, you look for what's in common, yeah. not what would divide you. And the spirit was so good that that, I think, is the future of the Southern Baptist Convention. It's talking about loving one another, respecting one another, both ways. Uh, and it's, it's a talking about listening to one another. Yeah, listening. There's a lot about, you know, about listen to women and hear what they have to say about mm-hmm. things. Listen to people of other races and yeah. other cultures and, yeah. and learn what their experience has been in the church. Yeah. And I think it's just going to make us so much stronger. I mean, I left the convention really feeling like these hard times, you know, that we've been going through as a convention, these are necessary for us to grow and for us to improve in godliness. And that's what Richard Owen Roberts, when he preached one time, you know, he said, we've never been a good people. He said, now we've been, there are aspects of us that we've been a, a better people. You know, there have been times where the church maybe was more theologically on target. But when I look back at the past, you know, I see a lot of blind spots and a lot of problems. And I know we probably have them now. But, you know, when you look at how far a group like the Southern Baptist Convention has come since 1845, it's a long, that convention showed it's a long way. Those messengers in Augusta, Georgia, if they'd have seen that meeting, would have been flabbergasted, but I hope they would have been blessed by it. Yeah. Even if they wouldn't have understood, you know, a lot of it, like electricity, (laughs) stuff like that. But it was really neat. And over, yeah, some weird things, some kind of, some things that were disheartening. Um, But for the most part, you know, I was I was glad to go and take people that hadn't been lifelong Southern Baptists and be like, this is where this is going is why we're on board. And how about the fact that J.D. Greer is our new president? Yeah, and that was that was cool. So cool. Yeah, it was, I didn't see Ken Hemphill anywhere. I love Ken Ken Hemphill. He was our pastor in Rome at First Baptist Church of Lubbock. We liked his preaching. We, yeah. we really, were really fond of him. Um, of course, he was in Rome, so we didn't really get to know him or anything like that. And it's a big church, so you don't really know the pastor anyway. But... Um, he was good guy, uh, you know, basically running uh, uh, on behalf of the traditionalists, which were concerned about J.D. Greer because they said he wasn't Baptist enough. They were concerned about his uh, more Calvinistic soteriology, um, maybe the fact that he has multi-site campus. I mean, there's, you know, just different uh, philosophies maybe that they were concerned about. So there was kind of a coalition to run Ken Hemphill against J.D. Greer so that there would be some competition. Uh, but it, it didn't really seem like there was much competition at all. No, um, when it came time for the vote, I mean, I thought it might be close, and it wasn't even close. It wasn't close at all. So it was really, that 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 right there felt like a pretty unified moment, you know? It I did, mean, yeah. And I think it was a good repudiation of the, you know, um, people with the, tinfoil on their head, Southern Baptist conspiracy, conspiracy theorists who mm-hmm. think there's some kind of conspiracy or takeover or something like that. That's all ridiculous. I mean, the best, the smartest people and the best people are most gifted and talented people that God has given us seem to be in good roles. Yeah. You know? And after the convention was over, we were literally the last people to leave the convention. It was just like church and, Sunday mornings. Um, we were able to talk to Steve Gaines, who was the outgoing president from Memphis. Mm-hmm. We were able to talk to J.D. Greer. And it was just, they were both so nice. I mean, great, great men. Yeah. So it was just an awesome time. It's a good time to be a Southern Baptist, even though we've got some painful things to work through. 
But Jody, Jody, when it was over, one of our messengers said, man, if there hadn't been all those problems, that would have been a really boring convention. And then people, <laughs> people that are probably used to the boring conventions are like, I like those boring conventions. Yeah, really. Because, I mean, they, they, they have a hard time getting people to go into the hall and get a quorum at some of those things. Yeah. Because there's no, there's no action. There's nothing going right. on. But I think we're seeing, I don't know what, what, what the one in Birmingham will be like. I, I know we wouldn't be able to take 12 people. But, you know, I'm thinking, is this something I want to go to the church and say, it, this should be a priority, you know, that we need to be at these, you know, you, you need to be in the room to make the decisions. I, I would love to go back next year. I hope we get to. Yeah. So it's, it's I think something important and something to, you know, to participate and be a part of. And if your, your church doesn't participate in the cooperative program, it should. Uh, it's an amazing program. Uh, gets you into the Southern Baptist life and people participate to in varying degrees and varying amounts of money. But uh, it's a neat to be a part of what God's doing in, around the nation, around the world. There's a lot more we could talk about the Southern Baptist Convention, the exhibit hall, the convention center itself, um, you know, running all over town trying in thousand degree temperature, trying to find a Chick-fil-A, just all the important things about a convention, <laughs> meeting people, seeing people in the hallway and just, you know, running into old friends and just yeah. such a neat, a neat thing. It's a small Southern Baptist world, I think. Yeah. And uh, yet there's 47,000 churches and 15 million people that would say they're Southern Baptist, even though half of them are probably lost. Uh, it's, it's well, maybe not half, maybe maybe two-thirds. But, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, it, it's, I, think you're, I think the Southern Baptist Convention is about to go into some good times as I far agree. as just making a tremendous kingdom impact. For such a time as for, for such a time as this, Melissa, for such a time as this, uh, remember for like several years that was like everything was for such a time as this. I, I think, think it's still think going it still on. Is. It's still going on. Everything's yeah. for such a time as this. What's your favorite verse in the Bible? For such a time as this. Uh, but what does that mean? I guess it means God's always on time, and what He's doing. It's always He's got the right people at the right time and the right exactly place, right. and so. Yeah. God's moving, and we're just going to ride the wave. Yeah. You excited? Yeah. You excited to be podcasting again? Go for 50 minutes? Yeah, we really did it My up gosh. right. Well, we just hadn't, I mean, I, I, I feel like we need to do this again tomorrow night. Uh, no. All right. <laughs> I may go solo. I'm going to have to get my own podcast. I'm yeah. going to have to do that. You may have to. Just call it, you know, Chad's Rants. <laughs> And then you just record them, and then you just delete them all because you can't post them. That's, what I, that's what I do. Like most of my Facebook posts, I just I've gotten to where I write them out, and then I just delete them and just go on my and life. You feel and better about I, like I, I wrote it. I picture. I, you know, I said it. I just didn't need anybody to read it. So we'll see all if this right. one, we'll see if this one makes it to the on, on the air. Well, but, thanks for listening. Right, bye-bye. bye bye. Bye.